other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is the AC Report. interesting communities in the world, Monopoly City, Atlantic City, New Jersey. And there's so much more to Atlantic City than just casinos and great restaurants and some interesting bars that never close. Obviously, you have the boardwalk. Obviously, you have the steel pier. For many years, a staple of Atlantic City life was the uh, diving horse. Now, I think they put a stop to that, and that's probably the right move. But there's another animal uh, not too far from Atlantic City, which might be South Jersey's most famous resident. And now uh, there is an effort led by a group of grassroots activists to try and get her back up and running where she belongs. And the one of the people that's playing a role in the rehabilitation of this famous resident, who's over a century old, is Dina Martin, one of our colleagues at WABC in New York and obviously the daughter of the King of Cool, Dean Martin. Here to tell us about Lucy the Elephant, who's been around since the 1880s and uh, who seems to have a bright future if the people who are fans of Lucy and fans of South Jersey step up to the plate and help, is Richard Helfant. He is the executive director and CEO of Lucy the Elephant. Hello, Richard. Hi, Frank. Good evening, and it's an honor to be on your program. The honor's all mine. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan of uh, Lucy the Elephant. We are talking to a national audience. We have listeners in Baltimore, in Nevada, in Alaska, in Tennessee, and even a lot of New Yorkers who might be listening to us who haven't been down in South Jersey for a while might not know what we're talking about when we are describing Lucy the Elephant. Who or what is Lucy the Elephant? So Lucy is a building uh, built in the shape of an elephant in 1881. Lucy was the brainchild of a developer from Philadelphia whose name was James Lafferty. Lafferty had purchased much of the real estate along the South Jersey coast in the late 1800s, just south of Atlantic City in a little town called South Atlantic City, which is now known as Margate. And Lafferty bought this real estate in hopes of one day developing it. 
1854, Atlantic City became this brand new seaside resort, and the Camden Atlantic Railroad was built from Philadelphia through Camden down to Atlantic City. And Lafferty thought that if he could build something in South Atlantic City on his property that would attract curiosity seekers down, he could begin to sell his real estate holdings. So he came up with the idea of building this giant six-story elephant building fashioned after P.T. Barnum's Jumbo, which was a famous circus elephant back in the day. And Lafferty would advertise in the Philadelphia newspapers about the Jersey Shore and the, the salt air and the therapeutic value of living along the coast. And he advertised his giant elephant building in hopes of attracting curiosity seekers down from Atlantic City, this brand new resort, to see his elephant. And that's how the whole thing began. A brilliant uh, piece of marketing. So just so folks understand, this is a, a building that is a giant elephant. And the original purpose was almost like when you pass a store on a, on a crowded street or a highway and they have uh, they have those uh, those things that uh, that look like people that sort of wave in the wind. I don't even know what you call those things. They look like giant gumbies, kind of that their their arms kind of swirl in the wind. And the idea is it gets your attention. You pull into the parking lot and go into the store. That was uh, this gentleman's uh, idea to call attention to the land that he'd purchased in uh, what's now the city of Margate. Correct. And, and his idea, Frank, was so successful that he actually applied to the U.S. Patent Office in 1882 to get a patent on all animal-shaped buildings, which he received <laughs> in December. He received it in December of 1882. We have a copy of the patent drawing. And um, then he built a larger one right in your backyard in, in Brighton Beach in Coney Island. He actually built a 12-story elephant named Elephantine Colossus. It was built in 1884 and it burned down in 1896 right in the center of the giant wooden roller coaster in Coney Island. Now, I, he I, also sorry, go he ahead. commissioned he commissioned a third one to be built smaller than Lucy on the very southern tip of Cape May. That one was called Light of Asia, and it was uh, not as ornate as the other two. It fell into disrepair and, and collapsed in 1900, and it was on the very southern tip of Cape May, which is coincidentally now underwater. That, well, that is interesting. I'm a Cape May fan and a Coney Island fan as well, so I, I did not know prior to doing the research for this interview that there were three elephants that this gentleman uh, developed. So he actually got a successful patent for elephant building? All animal-shaped buildings. All, uh, all animals. Yes, well, so all animal-shaped buildings. Did he build other animal buildings or just he these did three not. elephants? He did not. He just built the three elephants and that was it. Lafferty um, died before Lucy became a success. He wound up um, – timing is everything in life. And he, he really didn't make it a success. Mm. And he wound up selling it to the Gertzen family who operated it as a tourist attraction and a rooming house um, and, and made it very successful all the way up to the um, – early 1960s when it fell into disrepair. Mm, uh, that is uh, fascinating. So what has Lucy been doing since the 1880s? What's gone on there? Well, Lucy's been a lot of things in her in her storied life. She was uh, first a real estate office. 
Then she became a tavern for one summer, but it was before electricity was invented. So they lit her with kerosene lanterns, and you can't mix people drinking and having kerosene lanterns. They just don't mix well. Uh, started a lot of little fires, so they mixed that after one year. Then in uh, 1903, she was converted into a residence. They built a second floor inside of her, built four bedrooms, a living room and a kitchen, and she was rented to a doctor from England and his family for one summer in 1903. Then from 1904 well, all there? the way up to they 1962, lived they lived there for one summer, wow. yeah. But from 1903 up to 1962, she was just operated as a tourist attraction. The Gertzen family also went to Philadelphia and purchased the Turkish Pavilion from the Centennial World's Fair, dismantled it, brought it down to Margate, and rebuilt it as the Elephant Hotel, which stood on the same ground as Lucy and was a hotel until it was destroyed in 1944 in the Great Atlantic Hurricane. Oh, boy. I mean, what a storied history. If people are just tuning in, we're talking about Lucy the Elephant. We're going to tell you what Lucy's up to now with Richard Helfant. He is the executive director and CEO of Lucy the Elephant. Richard, do we know why she was named Lucy? We don't, Frank. Um, Lucy's name at birth was Elephant Bazaar, and uh, that's what Lafferty named her. That's what's in all the historic documentation. She was named Lucy by a relative of the Gertzen family, one of the Gertzen daughters, and no one knows why. We've never been able to find uh, actual, you know, documentation to, to prove positive where the name came from. There, there's folklore that it was either an, an old relative or a pet, and then one of the Gerson children mm-hmm. named it Lucy, but we don't know for sure where the name came from. So what's been going on with respect to Lucy these last few years? Uh, it, I've passed Lucy a couple of times, haven't been inside Lucy in quite some time, and maybe not ever actually, and it looks like um, you know she's seen better days. What's been going on more recently? Well, as you can imagine, Frank, when you're 141 years old and you're um, (laughs) made out of wood and tin and you're 100 feet from the Atlantic Ocean, the weather takes a terrible beating on on her. And she's, you know, she's sandblasted 24-7. She's got salt water pounding on her 24-7. And it takes a toll on her old skin, which is made out of tin. So um, every five or six years, we had to paint Lucy. Well, it got to the point where this last time around, there were so many layers of paint on her that the, um, the, the painting contractor uh, from Patterson, New Jersey, again up in your neck of the woods, um, said that we can't put any more paint on it. It won't stick. There's just so many layers of paint. We had to strip all of the paint down to the bare metal. Well, we brought in the uh, restoration architect, and we brought in a metallurgist, a, a metal specialist, and after removing some of the paint, it was determined and discovered that so much of the metal had rotted from rust that it was just more cost effective to remove all of the metal and give her a brand new coat of metal from top to bottom. Uh, So we went to the drawing board. We tried to come up with the best possible metal to use. We could not use the historic tin that she was built with because it had a lead component and Mm. lead is no longer allowed to be used. So they were talking about stainless steel and all different kinds of metals. They settled on on an alloy called Monel 400, which is a nickel and copper-based alloy that has very little iron content. And, of course, iron is the part of any metal that rusts. So we went with Monel, extremely expensive, but it's supposed to not rust. 
when we started to peel all the metal away, we started to discover a lot of her wood substructure was rotted. So we had to go then and replace much of the wood sheathing underneath the metal. The project uh, began in September of 21. It was supposed to last eight months. We're now in month 14 of this eight-month project. And it was originally spec'd out to be 1.4 million. We're now at 2.3 million and climbing. Wow! And uh, the the reason for the escalating costs of this uh, this renovation is due to the need to use this specific type of metal, or uh, because the damage on the the skin was more than people realized. Why the escalating costs? Why that surprise it, it, extra million? It's a number of things, Frank. Uh, one is uh, there was more wood damage than we had originally thought. And it, it's extremely labor-intensive mm. to replace this wood because Lucy's substructure is made up of over a million pieces of wood, some of them literally as small as a toothpick, and they all had to be cut by hand. So there, a lot, a lot of labor went into replacing this wood. Um, the cost of the metal skyrocketed. Uh, because of supply chain issues that we all of us face in sure. everyday lives these days. And, and we had a really harsh winter last year with wind and, and, and snow, which set us back. And we also had a sprinkler pipe freeze inside the elephant and break and flooded her with about 35,000 gallons of water last, last uh, January that set us back. So all of those factors together uh, added on to the cost of, of, the, of the project. Uh, when did you get involved with Lucy? How long have you been serving as the uh, the CEO and the executive? So director? believe it or not, when you when you first uh, started talking about Lucy in Atlantic City, you mentioned the diving horse. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I smiled before you introduced me because my summer between high school and college, that was my summer job was taking care of the diving horses on the pier. Um, <laughs> I used to take them out of the tank and brush them down and feed them and get them ready for the next jump. So it was, it was just it made me smile when you mentioned the diving horses. But I, I actually started volunteering for Lucy in seventh grade, selling candy door to door to save her from the wrecking ball back then. I became the executive director in 2000. So I've been there for 23 years as the ED. What made you, as a second grader, so fond of an elephant building? Why were you so motivated to get involved, even as a youth? Um, lots of things. It was, um, you know, I, I grew up in Margate, and, and Lucy's just always been a part of my childhood. She was always there. There was a teacher who was a mentor of mine. His name was Julius Woods. He has since passed away. Um, but he, he, I wanted to be like him. He was just such a giving, caring wonderful human being and i wanted to be like him and when he he was one of the original 62 members of the save lucy committee and um i when he said we're going to go door to door and sell candy i was in seventh grade i said i'm ready let's go and and it was it was his motivation that got me involved you mentioned the escalating costs of this surprise extra million dollars to get lucy back to where she needs to be as it stands now um, where are you in terms of having the money to get these costs and get these repairs done? Well, Frank, we were very, very fortunate to receive two substantial grants, one from the New Jersey Historic Trust in the amount of just shy of $700,000. Wow. So Lucy is a landmark, right? Lucy's a national landmark, a national historic landmark. It's the highest honor the government can put on a wow. building. So we did get a $700,000 grant from the New Jersey Historic Trust, and we also applied to the National Park Service for their Save America's Treasures 
grant program, and we were fortunate to get a $500,000 grant from the federal government from the Save America's Treasures program. So that that really catapulted us, you know, to be halfway there, and we've done fundraising for the rest of it. Uh, so that's one of the reasons that uh, I'm very eager to talk with you, because uh, Dina Martin, who is a great radio personality, a great singer, and just a real nice person, she has taken up the cause of Lucy the Elephant, and she is actually rallying to Lucy's defense. What is Dina Martin doing? Well, Dina is is uh, honoring us with her with her fame, with her voice, and with her famous family history by doing a benefit concert on December 11th in the Superstar Theater of Resorts Casino in Atlantic City. And what's so special about it, Frank, not only is Dina doing the concert for us, but there's such a history of resorts and Dean Martin because the Superstar Theater is the last place that Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin played together on the same bill in the 1980s. I was a junior executive at the hotel then and worked with them at that show, and and to now have Dina back on the same stage where her father and her uncle Frank performed Sinatra's piano that we bought for him back then is still on the stage. Mm-hmm. The stool that he sat on is still there. It's it's just going to be very nostalgic and very heartwarming for me to have her back on the stage where her dad performed. As a little kid, I remember the Dean Martin Variety Show on NBC. I, to me, you're, what you said, he, you're so right. He was the king of cool, and he was just such an amazing talent that we'll never see the likes of again. And Dina has her dad's personality. She has his, his sparkle in her eyes. She has uh, everything about him is in, is in Dina, and the show is just going to be extraordinary. That's great. So the show is uh, December 11th. I have to see if there's a way for me to get there. How do people get tickets if they want to go? Several ways to get tickets. One is through Lucy's website, which is lucytheelephant.org, and uh, we have tickets that we can send out right from within Lucy's organization, uh, or ticketmaster.com. If people are down here, they can go to the resorts box office, or they can come to Lucy's gift shop. So there's four different ways to get the tickets. Uh, that is uh, phenomenal. And it just if people are listening to us, they might think, all right, this is an old building. Sure, it's a landmark, but there are a lot of landmarks. Why should people uh, care about what happens to Lucy? Why is preserving Lucy and her history something that maybe even people that have never been there should take an interest in? Well, you know what? All you have to do is see the face of a little kid who walks up to her for the first time, Mm. and that question gets answered. Um, Lucy is iconic. Lucy is – she's the only thing like her on Earth. You know, there are lots of museums, lots of statues, lots of historic sites, but there's only one giant six-story elephant (laughs) in the world. And she's the oldest roadside attraction in the United States. She's older than the Statue of Liberty. She's older than the Eiffel Tower in Paris. That's incredible. And she is – she's just so unique. And she is the number one non-gaming attraction that people inquire about when they come to the visitor centers in Atlantic City. She's she's that special. And – just to see her, to know that she was such an important part of the development of the Jersey Shore, and and to see the smile she puts on kids' faces—that's what—that's—that's that's what makes my job the best. What, um, it, as it stands now, are people able to visit Lucy? Are there tours going on? What's the status of Lucy if somebody wanted to go down the Margate tomorrow or this weekend and visit? 
Okay, we are right now we are open five days a week. We're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, open every other day. We are offering tours of the inside of Lucy. The outside is still covered up with scaffolding, but I'm happy to tell you and your listeners, Frank, that the scaffolding has started to come down yesterday. Great. We are at the end of this project. Um, we're, we're planning our grand unveiling for December 14th or 15th. We've extended an invitation to Governor, um, to Governor Murphy to come down to help us unveil her. So we're waiting to get confirmation from his office before we set an exact date. But we are, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and by the middle of December, Lucy will be 100% open again and brand new. And uh, people will be able to go on tours and, and Absolutely, what? yes. Uh, now and I, we also have you know right. we also have a great uh, gift shop there with everything and anything you can imagine elephant is in our gift shop. Yeah, that's great. If people go to the website, can they access some of the items that are in the gift shop through the website? Yes, or is that- we have a we do have a shopping cart on the website. Again, it's Lucy the Elephant, L U C Y T H E Elephant, LucyTheElephant.org. And there, much of the merchandise that we sell in the store is on the website, and of course, tickets to the Dina Martin show. Frank, if I have one more second, I also want to point out that Dina is bringing her 18-piece orchestra, so it's going to be wow. a tremendous show. And I don't know if you know Stephen Maglio. Stephen is a Sinatra contributor who plays at the Carnegie Club in New York City. He has the longest-running nightclub show in New York City. Plays at the Carnegie Club every Saturday night. He's been doing it for 15 years, and he's going to be on the stage with Dina doing some tributes to Sinatra. That is absolutely phenomenal. How would you characterize how the local South Jersey community has sort of rallied behind Lucy at a time when she really needs some help? People love Lucy. You know, with all of the, the sadness and, and, the, and the awful things you hear about in the news every day, Lucy puts a smile on people's faces. Lucy is a story of, of success and endurance. Um, you know, when, when Sandy hit and devastated the Jersey coast, Lucy served as a beacon of hope because she stood proud and she weathered through Sandy. Um, people here love her and they, they, they rally around her to support her. We're very, very lucky in that regard. That's absolutely, absolutely terrific. Uh, I, I'm going to have to figure out a way. You know, I'd throw this big uh, New Year's Eve Eve party every December 30th in Atlantic City. We're going to have to figure out a way to get uh, Lucy incorporated somehow into that because uh, it's just such a great part of South Jersey history. And, uh, and you're right. Uh, when people visit Lucy for the first time, they never forget it. Hey, while I have you on the uh, on the line here, and uh, I'm way late here, but I got to ask you about this. I understand you are a big fan of the uh, television television program Hogan here Hogan's Heroes, and um, just yesterday we lost uh, Robert Clary, who was uh, Corporal LeBeau on Hogan's Heroes. Uh, what's so significant about uh, Robert Clary's career and his contributions to that show? Well, not only Robert Clary, but but three of the other actors who played on the show were all all survivors of the Holocaust. Wow. And to play in a show about World War II, about Nazi Germany, which you know obviously was a comedy, but it's nothing. I mean, the show was brilliant when it when when it was when it was created. Um, but he was the last surviving actor from Hogan's Heroes and a Holocaust survivor, and um, it's just. 
it, it it's a it's a show from the past that still makes people laugh. Yeah, no, the, I tell you, the humor on that show, and again, you even when at the, at the time the show was out, people didn't uh, people the irony of this was not escaped on people. But the fact that you could have a show that's so funny about something that's so tragic is uh, is really something that uh, is noteworthy, and it's no wonder that it's still timeless today. Hey, Richard, it's been a great talking with you. I'll look forward to seeing you down there at the Jersey Shore sometime soon. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your program, Frank, and we were very much appreciative. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Lucy the Elephant, if you want to get tickets to see Dina Martin, you can go to LucyTheElephant.org. That's LucyTheElephant.org. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. 